You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection. Go to LinkSoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to NestBedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, goal! Go, hey! It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. is a three-time World Series champion. He's an Oakland A's Hall of Famer. He's done everything in this game. General manager, assistant general manager, pitching coach, you name it. Soon to be owner in this game. An incredible baseball life. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. How about you? Doing well. Good to see you. Good to see you. How is, by the way, everything going with your project uh, with Nashville? You know, um, Unfortunately, uh, when the A's made the announcement that they were uh, going to Vegas, um, things started to really uh, speed up in Nashville. Um, You're hearing a little bit more about it out of the commissioner's office now, surfacing more to be, you know, the top team for uh, expansion. Um, And, you know, we've been working on this county for four years, actually going on five years there. you know, developing the brand, the name, the Nashville Stars, and forming our partnerships. And over the last two years, I've been um, doing a lot of meetings uh, at the commissioner's office, uh, learning the do's and the don'ts and and how we can make this process smoother for the commissioner's office as well as for our organization. And, and um, I think that things are going as well as they could possibly be this early on. Um, in the game and um, you know now we just have to wait and and see what happens with Tampa quite frankly it seems like we still have to see what happens with the A's yeah no doubt and then no uh, doubt. and then we can we can figure out where we go from there but right now I'm very optimistic about our opportunity to to be an expansion team and the, and the team be named the uh, Nashville Stars you're one of the few humans to ever play front office coach be an agent and now look at ownership it's like you you've now truly it's hard to see the entire game like that most people it just it just doesn't work that way now that you're really seeing the ownership side i know at one point you had a a team together you guys were trying to buy the marlins but you've now seen it from every single side what is it like to look into baseball as dave stewart now when you've seen it from every facet you know um I think that, you know, everything works for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. 
Um, you know, when I started out as a player, I just wanted to play baseball one day at a time and turn one day into a year and turn one year into another year. And eventually that turned into 16 years. You know, then after that, you know, thank goodness of, you know, I had a relationship with Walter Haas and Sandy Alderson. And I had an opportunity to, to go from the player to an executive and learn from that side. And, you know, becoming a player agent and eventually becoming a general manager and, and looking at the, the, the real sport from the inside uh, put me in a position that eventually I wanted to, to be an owner. And so, you know, I I just want to be able to continue to, to be involved in baseball. Um, but I think I have an idea. I mean, we're, we're talking about 51% black ownership. We're focused on... Um, we're focused on the uh, diverse equity and inclusion. Um, and so that means that we, in my belief, will present something in, in, in baseball that, that has never happened. Um, you know, we'll have, a, we'll have decision makers um, in our offices that, you know, represent every nationality of, of people um, and every race and every color. Um, and, and I believe that the, the way you make great decisions is is by having well-rounded input and, and that's the design of for the nashville stars yeah historic no doubt about it when it happens and i just think that uh you know when sandy koufax was teaching you that football you weren't thinking about being an owner and making history and doing all of this back then probably if i'd have been thinking about it then i wouldn't have made it as far as i did in the game you know it's just just been step by step you you, you take your first step and then you look at the next step and you know, the, the opportunity in, in Arizona, thank goodness for Tony La Russa at that time. Um, when I left there, I knew at that time that I could put together a baseball team and put together at least baseball operations because that was my job. And now, you know, I want to look past that and, and see if I have it in me to put together an entire organization. Um, and and um, that's my challenge, and I look forward to it. All right, let's put... You're, you have so many hats that you've worn. That's why it's fascinating to have you on the program. Uh, let's put the GM slash pitching coach hat on because they finally did it today on MLB Network where they really delve into a thing that we've been talking a lot about going, how we're dealing with pitching, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It's not sustainable. Having starters come out and throw like closers right out of the gate, we have just seen the rash of injuries they can't go as much. They can't throw as many innings. Then it affects your bullpen. It makes your bullpen throw more innings. And you would think, like, we're going to pitch them less. We're going to have more pitches. That that should keep them healthy, right? No, it's not. It doesn't. What do we do or how do we change? We're, we're so addicted to velocity. But the problem is the human body, these guys' bodies can't take it. Well, velocity is good. I mean, we were always taught in the Dodgers organization and – and I'll always say this. As a matter of fact, I was talking to Jim Hill last night doing an interview for KTLA. Yeah, legend. Yeah, and when I was talking to Jim, um, what I will always say is that fundamentally, um, the Dodger brand of baseball in my period of time, there was no better way to learn to play the game. Um, Tommy Lasorda, the Dodgers organization, felt that 800 innings um, – were the amount of innings that would qualify you to be ready to pitch in the major leagues. Um, and so 
the answer in some cases may be less pitches depending on the 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 body and the physical makeup of a of a pitcher um but i believe that to be successful in this game you have to learn all aspects of the game and velocity plays at a certain time if you have an opportunity to strike somebody out you go for the strikeout but I never threw a four-seam fastball after the sixth inning. And the, the purpose for that is because you want to complete games. You want to get deep in the game. And so you pitch for contact. You pitch for soft contact. Um, command of your fastball, uh, both sides of the plate. Pitching on the plate and pitching off the plate inside. Pitching on the plate and pitching off the plate away. Utilizing the top of the zone. You see very little of that in this day and time. And so... The art of pitching has actually left the game more for throw as hard as you can for as long as you can. And that here lately is equaling four or five innings, and it's killing your bullpens. And so the game has to revert back to teaching the art of pitching, teaching players, pitchers, how to think in situations, what you should be pitching for in situations, executing pitches versus throwing pitches, Pitching for the outside part of the plate. What I liked about the kid last night um, that pitched for us last night um, in his second start in the big leagues yeah. is that he displayed an art of pitching. And this is a high-velocity kid. Now, I don't know where that came from. I saw him in spring training, and if you ask me in spring training, I say this kid is a thrower. But last night he was able to get through six innings because he mixed his pitches up. He had low strikeouts. He didn't have a bunch of strikeouts, which he has the stuff to do that. But he pitched six full innings. In my opinion, he gave up three runs. But I thought it was a quality start for him. Um, but the, the key to it is moving the ball around, changing speeds. That's what pitching is. And that art has been lost in baseball. Yeah, I, we have interns here that were born in 2000. We need to explain. <laughs> when you start the game and you finish the game as a pitcher, it's called a complete game. You can look it up on Google. You can see it. He was talking about a complete because these kids, they have no idea. I mean, when you said pitching after the sixth inning, they went, what? That, what is, that, is that allowed? Yes, pitchers can do that. By the way, only five complete games so far this season for Major League Baseball. Of course, the A's last year didn't even have one. Uh, that is tough. I, I, I wanted to get your mindset when I looked at the numbers today, we know the A's bullpen. We know the A's starting staff. It's been a struggle. The A's are last in ERA. They've given up the most home runs as a staff. They've given up the most walks. Their bullpen has led the world in walks. It, to me, the, there's the physical part and there's the mindset. If we brought you in, pitching coach Dave Stewart, and say, can't give up all these home runs. You can't be walking all these guys. It's a recipe for disaster. How, how would you change something as we're kind of into the third of the season? What would you do? Well, it still it really just reverts back to, you know, what what I just originally said. You can't be worried about strikeouts. You have to be worried about getting out. That's the art of the game. The art of the game is getting out. Strikeouts are, 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 are a product of getting a guy deep into account. If you get a guy 0-2-1-2, then a strikeout is probably inevitable, and you should make an attempt to do that. But when you get to 2-2, which has always been taught to me, now what's important is to get out, not waste your time with a lot of pitches. I think also that a pitching staff and, and has to take on the identity of the guy that's leading it. Um, I, I witnessed that with the San Diego Padres in 1998. I was a guy that pounded strikes on hard on the inside part of the plate, 
And I demanded that from my pitchers. And if you weren't capable of doing that, then I'm going to get guys here that can do it. But at the same time, this is a different staff. They're a young staff. They haven't had a lot of minor league innings. And so you're going to have to be a teacher here at the big league level while these guys are learning to pitch at the big league level. It's, it's multitasking at this point for the pitching coach here, Emo. Um, but, you know, these guys at this, at this level – when you compete on the outside part of the plate the majority of the time, it's going to be a tough task to get hitters out. You have to be hard on the inside part of the plate. Sandy Koufax, once again, you'll hear me say his name a thousand times, said, Stu, always pitch to the short side of the bat. And that's how I learned to pitch. Pitching on the inside part of the plate, not giving these big hitters a chance to get their arms yeah, out. Get the barrel out there. Make them, make them afraid because hitters would much rather hit on the fat than to break a bat, that's for sure. And so at this point with this young staff, you're going to have to put on your professor's hat. You're going to have to do classrooms. You know, these, they're getting out here early anyway. So instead of spending time at the, at the, at, in the food room, let's spend time in the, in, on, in the, in the um, room with the, with the chalkboard and let's learn how to do your job. And it's, not, it's never too late for that. These guys haven't had that opportunity. They haven't been able to master it to this point. The ERA shows it. What they're doing in the league shows it. And so you bring them back to the drawing board, and you have lessons with them. Talk to them about counts. Talk to them about what to recognize in a hitter swing. Teach them everything that they need to know to help them be successful. But I think the most important part of pitching it's putting fear in a hitter, and the only way you do that is by pitching inside. Man, you take that cap like you did, and you put it down, and you, like, have that stare. Yep. You know what you were doing back then. You know what? I learned what I was doing. <laughs> I didn't know right away. I learned it. <laughs> that is true, too. It's like we always think of you, oh, they got me years you won 20 games. It took you a while to be a that time. guy. It did. You had to take your lumps. You did. I, I did have to take my lumps. I did have to learn my lessons. Um, but, you know, while you're learning your lessons, learn your lessons. And what I mean by that is, you know, while you're out there and you're making mistakes, try to remember the mistakes that you made so that your next start, you're in between. When you're doing your bullpen work, you can work on those things and you make those things better. Um, if you're out there and you're making mistakes and the next game you go out and you make another mistake, you make the same mistake and you continuously make the same mistakes, then you're not growing. And you're not going to last in this league if you're not growing. As a guy that grew up right around the corner from this place, a guy who starred here, was a world champion here, you were an all-star here, and then now to come back and to do television and to still walk around. I mean, it's one thing when you go to the studio. What's it like for you as, I mean, retiring your jersey? That was so special last year. You're an A's Hall of Famer. You're an Oakland kid. When you walk around on the fans and they yell Stu and everything, well, just what, what is that like? You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a reminder to me that, you know, when I met Roy Campanella and Don Newcomb coming into um, the Dodgers organization in 1975. And Vero Beach, Cal uh, Florida. Uh, Vero Beach and, and spending time with Davey Lopes and Bert Hooten and and Reggie Smith and Dusty Baker, and, and then later on having an opportunity to meet Hank Aaron and Bob Gibson and, you know, and Sandy, obviously, I can never forget him. But when, when those types of things happen here for me 
at this ballpark, for that matter, when I'm walking down the street, it means that I, I did exactly what those guys did for me. They paid it forward to me, and they told me to respect the game. And if you respect the game, you'll always be rewarded. And I'm 66 years old, and it still happens for me here at this ballpark. My number is hanging up on the rafters up there. Pretty and, amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's... It's 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 an unreal yeah. feeling when you're driving along the freeway <laughs> and you look over and you see you see that hanging up there. It's 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 just unreal and you know, I appreciate the guys before me who who groomed me for this moment in my life. Well, support Dave Stewart also from a standpoint people can pick up merch for uh, the Nashville Stars, is that correct? <laughs> That's Let's right. sell some merch here on Ace Cast right. Live. <laughs> That's right. Uh, if I could say it, musiccitybaseball.com. <laughs> Help the guy out. Get M a little merch going MLB, early. MLB, Music City. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'll see you a little bit later on A's pregame live. Pre and, pre and post, my man. This is an A's legend, an Oakland legend right here. I hope someday after you get everything with Nashville done that they'll truly do a documentary on your life, a baseball life, because uh. you've done everything. Yeah, you know me, Tony. I'll probably shy away from that. But, um, you know, I, you know, my good friend just uh, just passed away. And if, you know, Vita, when yeah. my time comes, if people remember me in that way, then that'll be good for me. Yeah, we, we thank you for coming on when, yep. when Vita passed. That meant a lot to a lot of A's fans. Thank you. Streaming from the Treehouse, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. So what do you think, Dallas? Me rolling around like this today? Yeah, you got that in the bag. Yeah. You got like that, that, no pun intended. You've got that club in the bag. Sunday, we're giving this out. Yeah. I've got. Belt bag. I've got four squared away. Off the top of my head, I've got four, at least four squared away. You know what the best thing about this thing is? Uh. Uh, the I'm I'm, I'm going to go with the mul uh, is there multiple pockets just one pocket maybe multiple pockets inside uh, you tell me what you think is the best my wife's getting this for Mother's Day hey uh, <laughs> that's what I said get four right grandma check wife check two little girls boom hey honey look what I got for you for and Mother's the, Day <laughs> and the socks <laughs> that's absolutely fantastic yeah well you you know here, here's my running joke and everybody gets a little uncomfortable when I say this but I always go Mother's Day. She's not my mother. Wow. Yeah. No, I'm you're gonna you that, are on um, an island. My, no bridge here, but I bought myself yeah, on that one. One thousand percent. She's not my mother. I mean, thousand percent. That, that's you, you kids. You, no. No. Nope. nope. Well, then I got here the backup <laughs> is I got the belt bag that we're giving away on Sunday. Um why are you uncomfortable talking about the perfect game? <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I don't know. No one's ever asked you that. That's why you come on Ace Cast Live because <laughs> I don't do generic questions. You're uncomfortable yeah. about it. Why? You know, I, I, I think ultimately it's because I've always believed that stuff like that is reserved for legend. Like, I mean, you got a dude over your shoulder right now who is a four, four year twenty game like right member of the three Black time Aces, World like, Series champion. I mean, three time champion. Three like, time. That's what. Like those who, I, I like I, honestly I do I. <laughs> that's who that kind of stuff is reserved for, right? Not me. And so, I, I think always having thought about that, and and when you hear the stories about cool stuff like that happening, it's be, it's because the players are legendary, and and so that's how I've always 
kind of viewed it. And, I've, and, and I think maybe that's why I appreciate what, what that one game has done for my entire life. Oh, yeah. And, like, I'll never at any point try to downplay that, right? Like, I'm, I'm not, I'd be a complete ignorant fool to try to actually tell you that, no, 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 no. Like, if you just look beyond that, everything I've no, stop it. So I fully appreciate what that moment and what that game has meant to me. And I, I think maybe because I do because I do think that it had has such a it has had such an impact that I I don't know it almost feels like something personal you know and I, and not that I'm not that I'm not willing to talk about or share anything personal um it, it just uh it's always perspective that I never really have like that Tony that's a jarring question yeah right out of the gate too <laughs> it's like first hole of a on a golf course the hardest hole of the golf course like what we gotta play this bar five now well and, and one of the reasons why i bring it up is because whenever we have that day it brings up all the memories for all of us like for me my memories of that day was you're thinking okay i've got to do mother's day my mother-in-law was still alive at the time and here i am i've got full bank of calls mm-hmm. And I did like a three-hour post-game show. My wife's calling going, we have to go to my mother's house. She's got no idea. I don't even think my wife knows what a perfect game is. She's got no idea. I'm like, you don't understand. This was like a really big deal. I did like a three-hour post-game show, showed up late for Mother's Day. I'm sorry. Like we all have a story about like that day was for like everybody because we were all involved. And that that is why like – I'll never be able to fully explain that to folks, you know, and, and that's why I'm so thankful. And, and and I look forward to coming to the ballpark every day, and I have no problem saying it. Why? Because I'm spoiled. I'm lucky. I get to run into somebody each and every day who's been waiting to share that story with me. Right? But your story, too, just wasn't a game because the next day you're on Good Morning America, you and your grandmother. How many talk shows did you guys do? She did. She probably did. Uh, I'm, I'm not kidding. She probably did six or – Stu, how you doing, sir? Great to see you. Um, she, uh, yeah, Dave Stewart. It's Dave Stewart. It just – I'm doing TV with him today. <laughs> it just it never – People ask me, they go, because you got to think for, like, our generation, when he was doing everything he was doing, I was in high school, right? Yeah. The A's, when I was in high school, the A's were going to three straight World Series. I mean, Jose Canseco was larger than life. You already knew Ricky Anderson was an all-time great. So, it's like, people ask me, like, every single time I'm doing TV, I'm like, that's Dave Stewart. Yeah. Well, it, I, I just – I mean, it's Dave Stewart. Like, for our generation, Dave well, Stewart was the big game hunter. And when he just – you know, and he just pops in, right, yeah. because he looks at you and I like he, we're friends. Like, I, I love the fact that I can call Dave Stewart on the telephone. He's going to pick up the telephone. That just – you know, that's that is just weird to me. It's never wow. lost on me, but it's weird to me because again, just going back to what we were talking about, he's a, that's a legend, man. I was taking pictures of these guys at fantasy camp, and I'm standing in the back, and all the you know, you, you see all the pictures are just looking at you and, and Dave. And I went up and I, I took this picture, and I went, "How badass is that?" Is you got you, Dave Stewart, and these campers hanging on every word. I went. This is what A's fantasy camp is. Well, and that's what's so cool about those moments is because I always get to just sort of put it on a T for Stu because I know that, I mean, each and every one of those sets of eyeballs is locked in on what he's about to say, some funny story. He's about to bury somebody, probably me, and it, it just, it, it's such a, you, you just wipe away whatever you're going through in those moments, right, for that week or whatever that you're getting to spend with guys like Dave Stewart, guys like Shooty, guys like Carney and Steiny. And, and, I mean, it just – it does. It, it brings you it, – it brings the word fantasy 
to to the forefront because it is that's that's not reality it's it's a fantasy to have dave stewart reach in and shake your hand yeah. hey see you later man What's catch up, up to you soon <laughs> well i mean one of the things i think we all respect about your careers i think people need to understand is you had to earn everything right as you mentioned the texas tech i don't know where you're even going with that all the time <clears throat> but it wasn't like you were the number yeah shoot your guns they love to shoot their guns red raiders it wasn't like you were the number one recruit in the country. Not, you had to earn your way there. Yeah. Just for what two years, and then you That's, had you were there two years, right? At, at Texas a, Tech. Yeah. One year, just one, one year. Two years Jay, at junior college. Yeah. Yep. So you went Jay Community College, as we That's, call it now, yeah. <laughs> Community College, one year. So it's like to think your route. You had to earn everything you get. I think that's why everybody has so much respect because you weren't the, hey, here's the number one prospect. You're 10th rated by MLB.com. You didn't have all that. No, and and I was very fortunate enough to come up in the area that I came up in, you know, growing up in Stockton, going to junior college in Sacramento, eventually making my way back to Oakland. I mean, those are, those are three pretty tough areas to come through and to grow up in, but when you talk about iron sharpening iron for the folks who are a part of these communities we are blue collar we are hard scrabble like we know how to get down we know how to roll the sleeves up and turn the hat around and get to work and that's just how you go about your business and so to to think that oh things aren't going great today and to let that derail you well we just don't have that in our dna around these parts that's just not how we do it all right so i've talked a lot about it on the post game show I mean, probably, and on Ace Cast Live, this show, we were talking about it to start the program today. We've been doing it for over a year. Finally, MLB Now today did a whole thing on it. When Bob Costas is a part of it, not me, people <laughs> probably listen. But I've been saying, Velocity's killing this game. Oh. We're having starting pitchers act like closers. We're having guys full max every single pitch, and the human body can't take it. We're seeing less starts, less innings, more pressure on the bullpen. It's been at a tipping point probably more than ever right now. We've got a problem in our game. We've been chasing velocity so much. The human beings, their, their bodies can't take it. We never talked scapulas back in the day. We're talking about stuff we never talked about before because just the pursuit to throw as hard as we possibly can, more throwing, less pitching. There's a problem. I don't know what to do. The word is maximization. And when you think about, I mean, look, we live in a capitalistic society. We are trying to maximize everything, right? Yeah. And so if I am looking to get paid as an amateur right out of a draft, what do I have to do? I have to light up the radar gun if I'm a pitcher, right? Because that's margin for error. That's projectability. Sustainability is not even a question, which is really a, a, a good thing if you're a young kid, honestly. When we're talking about the injuries that are almost inevitable, right, the way folks are speaking about them, well, if that's the case, then I'd like to be able to maximize early. And whether or not I can sustain that or not doesn't really seem to be a worry or a concern from the industry. So let me max out early. Let me get that paycheck early if that's the way it goes. And then from there, organizationally, when you get into professional ranks, you start talking about maximizing your resources. What does that mean? That means allowing these arms to do what they do best, that step on the gas, rip the slide piece, and do it until the wheels, what, Tony, fall, fall off. off. Which is like, we're all pitching until you get hurt. And hey, then man. if you can come back, good luck. If not, it's a, it's a conveyor belt of the next guy up. Well, that's why the guys that learn how to 
pace themselves. And when I say pace themselves, I don't mean just effort level. I mean understanding when to put a little on it, when to not, pitchability, and understanding that that is how I get through five, six. I can't believe I'm even starting at five these days. <laughs> yes. But that is how you get through, you know, six, seven, eighth inning. And, and, and I've always talked about, you know, finishing a baseball game is a learned behavior. And you're watching Nathan Eovaldi. Uh, Eovaldi, excuse me, not Eovaldi, Nathan Evaldi, go out, and his last three outings have been phenomenal. But you're watching a guy who understands how to get deep into those ball games and how to finish those ball games, right? Just one out away, but but it, it is. It's a uh, it's a crime to see the talent that we have in this game at times go down the slope that it goes down when it comes to injury. But I, I again, I always go back to maximization and organizations are maxing out their resources and talent. The amateur players are trying to maximize their paycheck before they get to the big leagues. And I don't think you can fault or blame really any group. Well, let's talk about fellow lefty right here coming up, Sammy Spinrate. Oh, <laughs> this is pure entertainment. Huh? This is pure entertainment for me. When you know that this dude's number's getting dialed up, you, I, I literally, I make a noise. <laughs> Sammy spin rate because it's it's fun. It's a lot of fun. He tried he tried to sell us that he didn't know his spin rates. I mean, he might be he might be selling wolf tickets is what he might be selling. <laughs> I wasn't invited, so we said to Scott Emmer. Well, Scott Emmer said we said Scott Emmer is PR for the Sharks. I, Scott Emmer said I, I he knows he knows his spin rate. Oh yeah, he yeah. Don't don't let Sammy boy. Come on, he might be he might be a slow a slow lefty just kind of trying to slow play it, but that ain't the case because that's ninety four with some. Sammy spin rate. Well, how are you? Good to see you again. Good to see you. How are you? Welcome. Have you been to the Treehouse before? First time. First time. What, what do you think? It's beautiful. Hey, it's you, beautiful. You, when you guys are on the field, you guys have no idea this no, exists. No, just see guys with uh, a few beers in their hands. That's yeah. about it, yeah. This is what the tree, this is why people like to, like to come up here. It's a great spot to come up, watch games. The Warrior game will be on mm-hmm. up here. So people uh, like to come here. So how's everything going for you so far this season? Good, good. You know, uh, feel like I'm doing pretty decent. Had a couple hiccups in the road, but, you know, that's baseball, so... Just try to keep your head down and continue to work and, uh, you know, try to help encourage guys around us, and, and that's about all I can do. You know, it's so interesting when you are a reliever in Major League Baseball. As you say, there's going to be some hiccups, but whatever that hiccup is, you got to let go because there's a good chance you're in the very next day. 100%. Tell us how you don't dwell on things. you you got to let the bad stuff go. Exactly, and that's and for me that's a hard thing because I feel like I'm so invested in baseball. You know, it's it's yeah. kind of my somewhat identity right now. Uh, you know, as a lot of guys say, it may not be, but for me, I'm just very passionate about baseball. So that is the hardest part is trying to let go. And sometimes, you know, it it, it might be a hard night's sleep and uh, wake up and try to reset. But uh, you know, everyone's human. Everyone's got hiccups. So it's just the process of life, and kind of the same thing with baseball. So. You have to, to learn how to adapt to that and uh, just take a, another step the next day. With the way this season's going, you really could be called upon at any time, right? It's not going to be like, well, in the eighth inning, I start to loosen up. I mean, really, you could get the call. It's six, it's seven. So when you get ready for a game and you walk out to the bullpen, how do you keep your mind? How do you keep relaxed? How do you keep loose? How do you go about a game knowing you really have no clue when you're going to come in or get the call? It's, it's a little bit tougher now, uh, being a little more established. I may have, you know, somewhat more of a role, but, again, you never know. So, yeah. for me, it's, you know, I always have my plyo bands and my plyo balls, and, uh, 
and just continue to stay loose. Once that fifth inning hits, uh, you know, it's going to the locker room's over, uh, getting locked in, getting stretched out, and then just, you know, you know, my trick is to look down towards the uh, the uh, dugout where I can see Emo walking to the phone, and I don't even need to look to, to Mike uh, over there. So, and then, you know, and then obviously the adrenaline hits right there. The nerves take a little bit over, and, and you just kind of, your heart rate goes up, and you just get going, and, and you know, then it's, here we go. Yeah, I try and tell everybody all the time on this show, it's like, hey, when you're a bullpen guy, you don't got time to run the poles, play long toss. It's like get up, go. You got to be ready. A lot of people say eight pitches. What is it for you when you get up on the mound in the bullpen for, for them to relay, hey, he's ready to go. How long does it take you to get loose? For me, it's different. I just need about five, six, seven crow hops uh, off the mound, and then I'm, I, I could be ready for the game. Obviously, I would like more than that, but if they, if you know, times are tough, you know, for what's happening in the inning, I would feel ready. Uh, so it's pretty quick, but you know, it's obviously feel the situation. But uh, yeah, seven crow hops, eight crow hops, and then hopefully get the catcher down and get going. You know, <laughs> thankfully that hasn't happened yet, but that would be uh, you know. Yeah. extenuating circumstances. It's so funny because pitchers want to, I, I want to have this feel. I want to have these. I don't, you don't have, it's not, It's get up and go and let's, let, yeah. let's get this thing rocking. Yeah, that's somewhat of the unfortunate part. You don't have that starter routine where, like, I can kind of lock this pitch in or lock that pitch in yeah. or feel this and feel that. It's, you know, hey, I've got what I got right now, and I've got to take it to the game and go compete. Some guys focus on their catcher when they're getting loose, and as you said, it's going to be six, seven, eight pitch, whatever. Do you turn around, especially with the bullpens here in Oakland or on the field? Are you looking at the situation? Are you because because sometimes you're just coming in with a clean inning, and other times you're coming in and it's a dumpster fire. Yeah, a lot of times. Well, here it's a lot easier. You know, you don't have to look over a wall. I mean, you just turn around, you see everything. I, I kind of monitor what's going on. Yeah. You have more of a feel, especially playing if you're trying to play a matchup. You know when the lefty's going to come up, uh, that type of situation. Uh, but yeah, I always try to monitor what's going on. Uh, that way, you can determine your effort level of where you need to be uh, as far as readiness. Uh, but yeah. David, ready to rock. Let's get this going. Uh, we asked you last time, Sammy, spin rate. You liked it. Have you been checking the spin rates? Are we ready to, like, put make some jerseys here, some shirts, Sammy, spin rates? I mean. I've kept uh, up with it, yeah. All right. I, 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 I'd like it to be a little bit higher. So, but, no, it's it's uh, it's it's good. So, uh, you know, just continue to uh, to spin it, right? Yeah, and then we're going to have to get some T-shirts and start yeah. doing some Sam yeah, Sammy some, spin some rates. Some merch sales, yeah. Hey, let's end on this. You're now a veteran guy, right? You're a veteran guy. We're going to see a lot. I mean, we're already seeing a lot of players. We're going to see a lot more players. How much have you taken guys under, under your wing to kind of help them out and learn their ways here in the big leagues, especially this year? There's been a, a couple guys that, you know, you can, you know, it's not that I actively just walk up to and address them with, you know, if it's a, concern or if they have if they need any help uh, just try to feel the situation out obviously like you said there's been guys coming in and out yeah. and so that can be tougher because you just get to meet someone and you wouldn't want to have you know you, you don't even have an impression of them yet uh, so you know you try to get to know them a little bit and then see how they operate uh, and you know if, if if you can help them or they have questions and uh, be very like receptive to to you know their situation you know it's it's obviously super subjective to individuals but just try to you know get to know the person as best you can and if you can help in any way you know I'm, I'll try to do that as well 
Great stuff. Yep. We always appreciate Thank you. having you. Treehouse, not a bad Here place. Here we go. Here we go. Someday when you're not playing, come up and I'll buy you a beer. All righty, let's do it. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Here, as we're doing it uh, a little differently today, it's great to have you on the program. I appreciate you stopping by uh, before you got to do a little uh, snakes and giants. Snakes and giants from the desert. Yeah, it's uh, first time we're seeing them and they're, I think, exceeding expectations on, um, you know, the Padres and the catching up right on the Dodgers, but it's going to be a, a great uh, first meeting between the Giants and the, and the D-backs. And I think about the D-backs, we talked about Tori Lovello and his club being exciting. Like last year in the second half, they stole a ton of bases, kind of putting everybody on notice that here we go. This is a young team that's super athletic, and that's kind of what we're seeing. That's exactly what we're seeing. They ran all over the Dodgers the last time yeah. they played them. That's something that the Giants are going to have to contend with today. But we saw all these signs last year. you got young guys who can move, who are super athletic, and, and they got a year of experience under the, their belt last year. And they've come out this year, and they've really started off hot. Are you surprised at all about how the West has gone so far? Padres, Giants, and here are the Dodgers. <laughs> and all, we weren't kind of sure how good they were going to be. Like, Has anything shocked you? Not really. I thought it was going to be a really competitive division the whole time. The Padres kind of not getting off to the start that I think they expected is a little bit surprising. Yeah. Um, I thought the Giants were going to be up there being able to contend if things went right. The Diamondbacks, I thought, were always going to be a good team that was going to make some noise. The Rockies, you kind of thought were going to be at the bottom, but it's a pretty tight-knit division. Anything can happen with a good week for a baseball from a team kind of in the middle of the bottom or, or a rough week from one of the teams at the top. So with the Giants, how are you feeling about the season so far? Would you say excited about it? I mean, where, where, where are you with the Giants? I think your energy that you did just kind of gave it away a little bit. Hey, we're 830, <laughs> so I mean, come on. <laughs> it's one of those things where you, you, you see what they're capable of. You see when the rotation does what it's supposed to do, which is always a strength of the Giants. You always expect coming into the season that the starting rotation and pitching in general is going to be something that you can rely on. They played a little bit better defense than they did last year, uh, but it's been a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde. You know, they haven't been able to really put it together and make a run that I think and play consistent baseball that I think we've all been expecting. Do they have it in them? That's a good question. I think that it's yet to be seen. I think we've seen the flashes of it. And with the expanded playoffs, if you have a good run, if you have a good couple weeks, anything can happen. You can really make some noise, but they have to put it together and they have to start playing a little bit more consistent baseball because they're not only going to be seeing the teams in their division a little bit less, but they're going to see other teams around the league that they haven't seen. They're going to run into the Rays. They're going to run into the Orioles. They're going to run into teams that they might not normally see who are making some noise in, in baseball this year, and they're going to have to play good baseball to contend with those teams. And we're seeing right out of the gate how that's benefiting the AL East. Instead of them just kicking the crap out of each other, they're now, wait, we get to go feast on these other teams? And you're seeing that they're all projected to have big seasons. I mean, the Yankees have fallen back a little bit, but they're all expected to have big win totals. A lot of that is because they're not playing in division. That's exactly, that's exactly right. Carlos, uh, Carlos, my, my partner, Carlos Ramirez, he um, was always saying that you need to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. And that's what those teams are doing. They're, they're running into teams that are not exactly uh, as strong as they'd like to be, and they're feeding on them. And that's when you kind of get intra-division games, and they mean that much more. 
You know, I think about your career, obviously, sporting. Let's show them the World Series ring. Look how sweet this thing is. See, we're all. This is 2012. This is what we're all trying to get. I still don't have one. I We're not getting one this year, but I, I would like to get one. Um, it is so hard right now to predict year-to-year relievers. Like, you get, we had yet, we had a Domingo Acevedo last year, had 70 appearances, money in the bank, best year of his career. We just DFA'd him. It is so hard. Why do you think that is so hard year to year to predict how relievers are going to be? I just think that the disparity between the top end guys and, and everybody else is getting a little bit bigger. And the game has changed a little bit where once you've established yourself and you're a guy, you get a little bit more leash than, um, the average guy coming in. And, and I think that the the biggest disparity in baseball has been that marginal player. And I think pitching in general, you pay for the top guys who are going to be your setup and closers. And then I think the kind of overall um, thought process throughout baseball is those guys in between who get you from when the starter comes out to those elite guys are almost interchangeable. And that's when you can almost save a few dollars as, as opposed to spending, you know, three or four million on a reliever. You can spend a million and a half or, or bring a young guy up and develop them. And I think that's what we've started to see kind of happen over the past five, seven, eight years is those kind of middle guys who championship teams need. That yeah. was my role. That was what I did. So if I was still playing in today's game, I think my leash would have been significantly shorter. But I was the guy who protected Jeremy Affelt, Sergio Romo, uh, Lopi, Casilla. I was the guy that got the ball to those guys. So if Matt Cain or Bum or whoever it was went five and two thirds, I'd come in and go an inning and a third and get the ball to those guys at the end in the seventh, eighth or ninth inning. And that's was that was what my role was to start my career. And I was really good at it. And I got a little bit more leeway and leash as my career, my tenure went on. And I started to pitch some of those seventh, eighth, and occasional ninth innings. But that role in the middle, the team, the, the role of the guy who's going to bridge the gap or multiple guys who will bridge the gap from the starter who's not really going seven innings that often anymore unless you're the, the workhorse or the pitches are super efficient. It's not as common for guys to be going that deep into the game anymore. That that role is really important for a competitive team that's trying to win. Yeah, we talked about the bridge guy. We need the bridge guy to get to the bridge guy to get us. <laughs> but that's like we we're just talking about Bruce Bochy now with a, co- a couple of the Rangers people who are back there in Oakland as we're doing the show. And that's the one thing that they're noticing with the Rangers that Bochy allows the starters to go a little deeper. I mean, that's why you guys won. No offense to the offensive guys out there for the San Francisco Giants. You had some terrific players, but you guys won because you had the starters and then you had the bullpen. That's how you won three different three different World Series. That 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 was that was that was the blueprint. Starters, bullpen, and it wins in the postseason. Yeah, it does. It's it's one of those things where I, I say it all the time on air now, whenever we're talking about anything, is Giants baseball is good pitching good defense and timely hitting, you know, Mm -hmm. all giants fans know you're playing almost heart attack baseball. You're playing those one run games. And when the giants as a team in general have a successful season, you're winning those one or two run ball games. And when you're not having a good year, you're losing those or you're, or or those games aren't quite going the way that we're accustomed as giants fans to seeing them go. Uh, But that was the, that was the blueprint. I mean, I remember in spring training one year, um, Somebody was asking Javier Lopez, how do you feel about you guys being the slowest average velocity bullpen 
in the big leagues. And this was like in 2015 yeah. after we had just won our third World Series. And he and, you know, Javi can you can get him a little bit snagged and he'll come back with a snide comment. He's like, yeah, well, three rings is good enough. And, you know, you you, you had the guys that you trusted. And, and our, our motto was just, you know, 25 guys, one common goal. And it was it was be selfless, play for the for the group as a whole. And, and the ego were set aside and we were able to go out there and just focus on our job. And if somebody wasn't able to do their job, the next guy would come in and pick that guy up. I mean, you, you see, you know, you, you've seen him, both of them, actually, Sergio Romo, Yusmiro Petit, the guys who had huge impacts on not only one, but multiple, if not all of the Giants' runs. Those guys are not going to come in and just blow 97 by you. They're crafty. They're they have cojones, so to speak. They'll go out there and challenge you, throw strikes, long at bats, and they'll get the upper end of it. That's what made us successful for for that you know era of Giants baseball. And Javi Lopez could go, yeah, I got a fourth one with the Boston <laughs> yeah. Red Sox too. So he's he's got quite a few rings. I'm a little worried. By back in my day, in pitching, we knew this wasn't come out in the first inning. Give everything, everything you got from the first inning, and hopefully you get through five. We're now pitching to the data. Everybody's they want every whether you're throwing a slider, a sweeper, cutter, whatever pitch, you, everything's max. Everything's max, and it just seems like these human bodies cannot take it right now. I'm worried. It's like every single day, this guy's having Tommy John. This guy, we're now talking scapulas. We're never talking back 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 in my era. We never talked scapulas. I mean, are you worried about pitching and just? It, there's there's more throwing than pitching be it, than ever before, and and guys' bodies can't take it. So when I had Tommy John, which was back in 2009, I was in AAA with the New York Yankees, and I was about to get my first call up, and I ended up finding out, blew my elbow out, had Tommy John, and and the statistic back then was one out of every seven pitchers in the major leagues at some point were going to have Tommy John. Wow. That stat, as of about three years ago, was one in every four pitchers was going to have Tommy John. So what we're seeing, I think, is that guys are just realizing that bigger, faster, stronger, along with the data and the analytics that go with it with induced vertical break, spin rate, what what number on the clock you are, how throwing a fastball at the top of the zone with 17 inches of induced vertical break promotes a really good over-the-top curveball. They're training guys, you know, drive lines, some of these you know, yeah. the, 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 uh, the, the arm ranch or the, whatever it is down in Texas, I don't know, but they're, they're training these guys to be bigger, faster, stronger, throw with more intent and teach them how to transfer kinetic energy throughout your body from the ground out your fingertips. They're teaching them how to do it more efficiently. So guys are throwing harder. You have the weighted balls that guys do a drive line to, you know, when I was coming up, all, all I ever knew was your shoulder had to be strong enough to slow your arm down. So the heart, the, the, the stronger your shoulder was and the ability to slow your shoulder down faster was how much you could accelerate your arm to throw harder, which is pretty basic, right? That makes sense. Yeah. However fast you move, you got to be able to slow down. That's when injuries happen. But they're training to be throwing the ball at as hard as they can because the analytics show that you will get away with more mistakes and you'll get more of an opportunity if you have things that the evaluators think are good. So a guy who maybe throws 91 to 93 is not quite as sexy as a guy who's throwing 97, 98 and missing more bats with a higher strikeout rate. But the guy who's 91, 93 is getting outs and he has a 7.9, you know, strikeouts per nine versus a guy who has 12, even though the ERA runner stranded, all of that is better for the guy who just gets the outs. The guy who throws harder will get more of an opportunity because those numbers say that all else being equal, the guy who throws harder and misses more bats will be more effective. 
But I think about the Giants run once again. As you said, you guys weren't all throwing 100 miles an hour, and it led to a lot of World Series titles. I know you got to go. Let's in on this. Uh, getting ready for the Rangers today, 21 and 14. They're in first place. The manager is Bruce Bochy. Are you shocked that Bruce Bochy has gone in and the Rangers are in first place? I am not shocked at all. I mean, you know, I've played for Boch for six years, and and he he along with Brian Sabian and, and everybody else in this organization gave me my shot. And if I was with another organization. I don't know that at my time in the big leagues would have been what it was, but I was here with that guy who I'd have a rough outing. He'd throw me right back out there the next day to make sure my head was right. If I was pitching really well, he'd throw me in some higher leverage situations earlier in my career uh, to get the most out of me. The guy is just a very, very good manager of personalities on top of a fan, uh, just phenomenal baseball mind. He's been doing it for forever. He's loved by everybody. Um, he's got great people around him down there in Texas. And, and I've never heard anybody, teammates or, or other people who have played for him at different times who have not said amazing things about playing for Bruce Bochy and what kind of guy he is. So the guy, the, the fact that he's down there doing what he's doing and in first place, he's I'm sure everybody in that clubhouse is just playing with ease and relaxed and, and doing all the things that you're supposed to do uh, to play good baseball because he allows them and, and, and gives them that leash and that leeway to be themselves. So he, he's a guy that's easy to play for. And it's not surprising at all that he's having the type of success down there that he has. Well, we brag all the time. We're number one in Major League <laughs> Baseball. Nothing bigger than A's cast live. We're the number one podcast. When we switch from just streaming audio to video, which now we're running this thing on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, NBC California picks mm -hmm. up all of our stuff all the time. This guy was the first guest that we ever had. <laughs> That's right. A lot of people in there. Are you at a giant? <laughs> yes, a former giant World Series champion was our first guest. Quickly, did you ever know you're going to be this good at TV? I did not. You know, it was, it was a very funny story. Devin Fox, who no? who is a huge, huge role in all of this, obviously. I would always do all of the uh, community outreach stuff, for lack of a better word. But if there was a Giants player that needed to do something in the community, I was uh, single and without a family and children and all that for the majority of my um, Giants career. So all the guys who had families and, and other priorities to do, I would always be like, yeah, I'll do this. I'll do that. Blah, blah, blah. I would, I'll do that interview for whatever. And Devin was like, you know, you're pretty good at this stuff. And I enjoy having conversations with people. She's like, when you're done, you're going to come on, you're going to broadcast. And fast forward 11 years, 10 years, and here we are. <laughs> it works. It works. Appreciate the time. Oh, always good to be Always you, great stuff. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. Donnie, how are you? It's Chris Townsend with the Oakland A's. Good to see you again. Chris, how are you? I'm well. Last time I saw you was at the uh, Santa Clara banquet. <laughs> That's it, man. We had uh, we had good seats. It's nice to uh, nice to be close to you. Yeah, that was that that was really special for you, family, and everything to come back home and be honored. What 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 did that mean to you? You know, obviously you're just with the Giants, but what did it mean to be honored back in base essentially back home? I guess it's, uh, in simplest terms, it's things come full circle and it's really what it's all about is the community that, you know, had a part in um, teaching me everything that I know and, and really the community made me. So less about personally being recognized and I think more about circling back and then, you know, there's a responsibility now where it's, it's to pass it on to the next generation and, um, you know, part of this is, is making them proud and, and, you know, hopefully building a career and, and, uh, creating value for other people that that makes the community proud of me as well 
You know, I'll say this. I know that uh, I've never met you personally, but I've met a lot of uh, Rivercat players that knew you and they, that talked about you and they, they, they raved about you, uh, mm-hmm. just your communication, the way you work with them. And uh, so it's, it's, good, it's good to meet you. But with this, this particular team, you look at with Josh Young and some of these younger players, they seem to be kind of all working together and kind of all kind of getting better at the same time. And it's, that's been just my impression of this club is that uh, they're all starting to come into their own at the same time. Yeah, you know, I think that's the goal. And um, there's kind of this misunderstanding that when you get to the big leagues, you've arrived where we want to just focus on continuous player development. So, you know, our, our freshmen or our, um, our rookie quarterbacks that are rookies now are uh, doing different things at the line of scrimmage than Marcus Simeon. So it's just about taking players through their journey. Um, but let's also set a standard where we are continuously, you know, pushing the boundaries on, on developing these guys. So there's no sitting back here and just, you know, uh, see ball, hit ball. Letting right. Them, we got to the play. big leagues. We're fine. Right. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. just it's time to get better. And, and um, you know, I think that starts with our whole organization, just that mindset from from Chris Young. So we identify those types of people and we set up those types of systems and we do what we do. It's great. You know, when I think about your job title, I mean, we understand bench coach. We understand hitting coach. Take us through, because we all love football. We know what the offensive coordinator does in the National Football League, designs all the plays, and what are we going to run? What is an offensive coordinator like? When that title came to you, what is offensive coordinator? You know, it's really... um if you think of like a 30,000 square foot view, um, coordinate the entire system. So what we do from the Dominican through A ball to double A, triple A, all up to the big league. So it's really creating a system. And, you know, the biggest part of the, the coordinator side, I think, is um, is the behaviors that we attach to that system. So what it looks like to lead a meeting in the Dominican, what it looks like to um, build feedback loops for these players to stay on a nice roadmap to Arlington. So a healthy amount of organization and then you know building leaders in our hitting department that can run their units and, and kind of take guys through their journey so it, it's less about um figuring out if we're going to run the slant or the vertical against you know a uh, man-to-man or as uh, cover two but more about thinking about this thing um, almost in a business sense how do we set up a really healthy system to take guys through their journey and, and get them ready for the big leagues well, yeah, your goal line offense this year, I mean, well, you guys in the red zone are incredible. No, but I, I think it's really interesting because what you're doing is it's the same message. It's like you're creating – we talked about it for years with the Dodger way or the Oriole way. It's like you guys are creating your own Ranger way. So whether you're an A-ball or you said the Dominican or A-ball or double you know coming up the message, what you guys want. Talk about how important that just true structure is throughout the organization is that everybody's on the same page. I mean, you said it, you said it perfectly. Um, and it starts above us, right? It's, uh, you know, it's Chris Young's leadership. It is, it's not an option here. So we are going to be aligned um, and we're going to have unity. So when you thin slice that to the offensive group, um, we're just executing on the, the leadership above us. So alignment and unity in our offensive system is, is no different than anything else we do here. But um, to your point, it's, once again, it's it's not even key. It's just there is no other option. So, and that those first principles for our personnel are are based off of value creation. So, if everything we're going to do is in the best interest of helping these players and the organization create value, then it really takes what it takes. One more for you. With, with uh, I want to ask you about about Boach because he 
you know, it took the perfect job for him. It's going to take the perfect job for me to come back, right? And talk to Chris Young, and here, here's a master, masterful. Just every single move he makes, he just, he just, his baseball intelligence is off the charts. What have you, what have you seen from Boach? And I know he's created that calm mm. in the clubhouse. Uh, nobody better at managing a bullpen. You know, Katsi knows him so well. But what, if you could just kind of talk about Boach a little bit and his his presence and what he means to this team. Yeah, it's uh, I'm not an emotional person, but when, when people ask me questions about him, I do get a little emotional. Um, just to think of me being in my, my mid-30s, if I have a selfish moment here, it's how lucky am I to just work with him and watch him. Yeah. So the resume, the, um, the person, it's, it's off the charts. Um, and so when you get in the trenches with him day to day, there's an ultra competitor in there. I mean, do not get it twisted for the, the stoicism that he shows. This guy is... Um, he's not just sitting back, so he, he wants to win. He wants to win every pitch. He wants to know the game plans. He, he's uh, totally invested, but I, uh, you know, personally, I went out and just bought a notebook that's just a Bochi notebook, so um, everything he <laughs> says and does, I try to document it. That's and, um, awesome. You know, we're all just very lucky. We're lucky that he wanted to get back in the game. Um, we're fortunate, once again, that, you know, Chris Young, I think it's, uh means a lot to Boach to have a, a somebody that's been through the fire and, and can see this thing through a player's lens. Um, yeah, Boach, he, he lowers anxiety just naturally. And if you think of one of the, the, to me, one of the biggest influences of playing consistent offense is how people behave around you. So mm -hmm. Boach isn't freaking out when somebody strikes out. He's, he's not throwing a table. Um, he's just very calm and, and very consistent. And, 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 you know, you see the, the players mimic that. Great. Thank you. Appreciate yeah, that. Yes, that was great. All right. Listen, we. Uh, Donnie, thanks a lot. Thank we you. appreciate yeah. it. Appreciate yeah. you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You know, let's bring on the pitching ninja. Rob Friedman joins us here on A's Cast Live. Think about this. Now, you, you know about the A's in the 70s, right? And how crazy Charlie Finley was, but they won, they won. Charlie Finley did this all from his office in Chicago. He ran the team that won three straight World Series titles. He was an insurance man, made a ton of money, but he did it all from Chicago. There was no internet. There was no, I mean, he was doing it from a, a, a rotary phone, building this World Series dynasty from Chicago that played in Oakland. Like, you can't make this stuff up. No one would even believe it today that that happened. That is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, like crazy. There was no social media. There was no. no. He wasn't firing off emails. He couldn't even watch the games. He was. He'd have to listen to the game, the play-by-play -by, -play by phone. <laughs> That's incredible. 
And you brought back bad memories with rotary phones, man. Why are you doing that? Well, because you and I might be the only people, like all the people are going to watch <laughs> this, you and I might be the only ones old enough to remember that. You, remember how big our life was when we had a phone that didn't have a cord? Oh, my. Yeah, absolutely. That was huge. Changed your life. And typewriters that didn't have those keys that stuck and stuff like nobody even knows what a typewriter is how, how about this thing that works the television i don't have to get up and change the channel it just changes it for me it's been fantastic we can be totally lazy and that's what the world should be and then this box showed up we used to have to put a tape in it now we don't have to put a tape in it and it records whatever shows we like Dude, life has definitely gotten a lot better from those days, I think. I do not wish for those old days. If I could change anything, though, I would I would like to get rid of the cell phone and go back to pagers. Because pagers, <laughs> pagers, you knew somebody wanted to talk to you, but you didn't have to get back to them right away. That's a good point, although I don't know what I would do, like, with all the texting and... I don't know. Like I'm so connected all the time and I kind of like it, but maybe it isn't for everybody. All right. Will you read all the different people, the pitching ninjas connected? What, what, what do you, I mean, it's amazing how big you have blown up. What, what can you read? Can I, I let, let's read the resume as they like oh, no. to say, <laughs> it is amazing. Like when we first started inter interviewing you, you were just a guy on Twitter. Go ahead. A uh, Peacock pitching analyst, MLB analyst. Uh, is that DraftKings sportsbook pitching guru? MLB on Fox analyst. I mean, how many people are you working for? Dude, I, I, I never turn anything down. Come on, right? Like You're collecting checks. I like it. That's the way to get through life. Is <laughs> income coming from a lot of different places is a good way to go through life. Now, did I hear you say DraftKings? It's FanDuel. We can't do the DraftKings thing. Oh, now you're not even reading it right, Cody? That's my fault. I read it backwards. I saw the FD and I was like, oh, that's you're gonna Yeah. That's FanDuel Sportsbook. By the way, thank are, you. Are you one of these guys that has like a handle that they can get a deal when they sign up? You know, I don't know that I do. I do do picks for them and I'm terrible apparently. Um, yeah, it's just hasn't been my year so far, but I'm looking to make a run today. Well, that's the thing, is like we all think we can make money off of it. And then we, as my late father would say. They didn't build those casinos in the middle of the desert where there's no water because they lose. <laughs> it's totally true. Like I go in, you know how much baseball I watch. And, yeah. and I thought, you know, hey, I got an advantage. Not so much. Yeah. Gambling humbles everybody really, really fast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you realize the professionals, because all the years doing talk radio, I got all kinds of handicappers in Vegas and guys who won awards and everything, and they'll tell you. I mean, if you're winning just 52% of the time, I mean, that's barely over 50-50 you're doing well, so it's crazy. Uh thing that I want to bring up most with you today, what scares me, of the way that I was brought up pitching and where we are now, and I've actually been reaching out to some orthopedic surgeons, guys who perform Tommy John surgeries, because I'm tired of hearing about this pitch 100. Like somehow baseball people, not medical people, baseball people, they saw this number 100 and they made that. the Can't go up to it, can't go over it, whatever. And from a science standpoint, from medical doctors, there's no proof of anything of 100. But the thing that scares me, is that we're pitching, and it's a lot like golf too, we're pitching to the data. 
and we have guys that are going out there and they're trying to be max out on everything, every single pitch, whether it's your fastball, your breaking ball, you're taking your body to the limit every single time. And to me, and I want your opinion on it, the fact that we're seeing so many injuries and we're not ta- we're just not talking Tommy John, we're now talking scapulas, we're seeing all these different injuries. To me, the human body it just can't take it. And we're getting paid for it, but our bodies can't take it. Well, when you think about it, I mean in most sports, you're never going to nobody is that good that they can get by without being going 100% and you're dealing with very competitive athletes. So, you know, you think of a race car. You're not going to win if you're backing off and you're not driving real fast. Um, you're not going to win at almost any sport unless you're going hundred percent. Unfortunately, pitching, it is right now about redlining for most folks, for a lot of folks, not everybody, but about redlining them, no doubt to, to push it real hard. And I think obviously cutting down the rest with the pitch clock and stuff like that could have something to do with it. Um, who knows? But it definitely, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, there's definitely some kind of tension there. Well, because we we were taught years ago that you didn't lay it all out in the first couple innings. You went through a lineup the first time throwing strikes, but I'm not giving you my A stuff. I'm trying to get through. But now front offices have said, no, I want your A stuff for every single pitch. I'll have you go less, pick up the rest with the bullpen. As we've seen starters go down in innings pitched, relievers pick up more innings pitched, they want you to be at max everything every single time you go out versus the olden days. It was, hey, we want you to get into the seventh, eighth, ninth, which then you're not going balls to the wall in the very first couple innings. So the fact that it's just has changed, and I'm just wondering, even before the pitch, we've been seeing record Tommy Johns at all levels well before the pitch timer. I mean, it's crazy. The kids, I was just talking about it from when I played college baseball. Nobody had Tommy John surgery. It's amazing the amount of velocity. And I'll say this, too. I don't know if it's just velocity on fastball. It's how fast we want to throw everything. We want our breaking balls now to be because to get more spin and to get, you know, it's like – it just to me, it seems like the human body or certain guys' bodies can't take it. Oh, I think there's no doubt that that's true. That certain guys' bodies can't take it. There's obviously reasons behind it because throwing harder reduces batting average, reduces slugging percentage. It it actually can be successful. And it used to be relievers were more failed starters. You had like a yeah. bunch of guys that were you know you shove them in the bullpen. Now you got guys that you know they train to be also balls to the wall out of the bullpen and throw flames. So if you can hand it to, to those guys, you're shortening the game. A little different strategy. Um, but, yeah, no doubt. The other reason why t- you see more Tommy Johns, though, too, is back in the day, it was a randomer surgery. And he, first, it didn't exist. So you go yeah. back in 1960s, there was no Tommy John. Now, now then, we're getting old when we're talking about old, yeah. old the real Tommy John. <laughs> right. Exactly. And and now you're dealing with it where it is fairly routine. We know how to recover from it most of the time. And we can get somebody back most of the time. Uh, so it has the surgery itself has gotten better. So you're able to make a decision that maybe some maybe back in the day you wouldn't have had Tommy John. Now you're saying, okay, well, we can repair this and get the guy to 100% rather than have him at 
90% for some period of time and then risk it. So there are, there are other factors to it, but no doubt, um, redlining the body will have issues. This does. Sweeper. Everybody's talking about the sweeper. In my day, we called it a slurve. It was in between. If you didn't have a tight slider and you didn't have a 12-6 curveball, you had the Frisbee going this way. You called it. Pitching coaches hate it, but it was called, we called it a slurve. They're now calling it a sweeper. Now we got the gyro slider. Uh, you're looking at all the data. What truly is the difference between a, for, let's say, right-hander, because lefties are all screwed up because they're coming Yeah, forget about lefties. Uh, you got an over-the-top 12-6 curveball. You got the tight slider. You got a cutter. You got the switch. Like, what is the difference in the gyro slider? I don't even know what the hell is gyro. <laughs> gyro is more like a, so think of a bullet and a traditional slider where you see a dot that's what you're looking at. If you think of how a bullet goes, it's not going to break one way or another. It's going to go mostly down, right? You're going to get the vertical drop to it, but not as much as a 12-6 curveball, which is actually using the seams more to create the drop. So a, a gyro slider is more of your traditional slider that will go straight down and not sweep. But it's the still sweeper, spinning like a slider? It is spinning like a slider, But it goes yeah, down so, and not this way. That's right. It so has no this, horizontal break. It's just vertical. Right. So the sweeper is a subset of sliders, just like a two seamers, a, you know, two seamers and sinkers can be different. Two seamers, a subset of fastballs, um, knuckle curves, a subset of curveballs. We now have a subset of sliders because it's not, it, it, there's a reason for it in that there's about three times as many sliders breaking over 12 inches horizontally than there used to be like even five years ago. We're teaching how to change the spin axis to use the seams to create what we're calling seam shifted wake. It's this new force on a baseball that we discovered. It's always been there. People have always thrown a sweeper. There's some subset of people that have always thrown it. You go back and you look at Dave Steed, absolutely threw a sweeper. Nasty. That thing was. Uh, absolutely. San Jose and zone, by the way, Dave Steed was from San Jose, California, where we are right now. There you go. So how about that for bringing that up? Mm -hmm. Get extra credit. Uh, but so we just learned more about why the ball moves the way it does. And now coaches are teaching it. They're you're able to replicate it because we have slow-mo cameras. We can tell spin axis. We can do all this stuff. So we can create more of these sliders that actually sweep versus go more vertically. And when you think about it, if somebody's, if you're doing more of a swing, you know, whatever we call it, the launch angle swing, where you're swinging slightly up. If you're doing that, you're probably more likely to run into a, a pitch that's breaking down then that's breaking sideways. If you're breaking sideways or more horizontally, you're likely to either pop it up or miss it or run out of bat. So they're pitcher pitching coach are teaching it for a reason. And it's just a way of, it's basically a subset, just like squares are a subset of rectangles. Sweepers are a subset of sliders and have their own name. People just need to realize that we're, what we're doing as pitchers is we're messing with the human brain and, and hitters eyes right when when things when things are moving like hitters people need to understand that when, when you're up at the plate right now you're you're the hitters eyes have to see it the brain has to say i can swing or not and then the brain has to tell your body swing dummy we're basically fooling hitters with all of this movement and the way the human eyes see objects. It's hard to totally, but, but the, the eyes see in planes, right? And so when you're throwing it through all these planes, human eyes have a hard time 
Like, what the hell is that? And if you've got this fast sweeping thing, it's tough for the eyes to kind of pick it up, right? Is that a good way to explain it? Oh, 100%. And, and it's one of my favorite things about pitching. I just actually got done talking with Sonny Gray, who talked about pitch tunneling. That's his favorite thing. Yeah. And you, it's one of those reasons why you have fans screaming at the TV, like, why did you swing at that? And it's exactly what you're talking about. You're fooling hitters into believing all these pitches are kind of the same because you're throwing them in the same spot and you're just letting the spin or the, or the seam at this, uh, the seam orientation cause the ball to move differently and you're fooling hitters. Yes, absolutely. And now you're using science to do it, yeah. which is scary. Like we have such an advantage over hitters. It's almost unfair. So what do we do for hitters? Even though I, I, I I'm with you. I can't, I can't, can't forget. I don't world's smallest violin. Well, I mean, it drives me nuts that they've got all this armor on. They get to use pine tar. We don't get to use pine tar. That drives me nuts. They've got stuff on their shin. They got stuff on their ankles. They've got batting gloves. They got pine tar. They got stuff on the L, but we give them everything. But at some point, we are in the entertainment business. And everybody hitting 210 doesn't work for the entertainment business. So is there anything that, that you've seen from a hitting standpoint where you go, you know, this might help them out a little bit? Uh, or is it just we're at a point to where this is what our game is until we do something dramatic like move the mound back, which I don't like, but I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, great point. And for one, strikeouts are awesome for me. Like it means more tweets and more content. Like let's not put that down. I'm talking to the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> but I will tell you, we do have things that are working. Um, you know, you have virtual reality stuff. You have now pitching machines that can replicate the spin on almost every type of baseball, like every type of pitch. So hitters can basically face the pitcher they're facing today in the batting cage. So we are able to do a lot of this stuff and it is helping hitters pitching. You think about it. It's like golf. You're in hundred percent control of what, of, of your swing in golf. The ball doesn't move in baseball. You have the ball. The pitcher has the ball. Nothing happens till he throws it. And you should be able to throw it in the spot you want to the way you want to have it, make it move the way you want to hitters reacting hitters on defense to me, a counter puncher. So it is tougher for a hitter to, you know, get all this science behind it. Golf has broken down the swing for a long time. Pitching mechanics broken down for a long time, tougher in hitting, but I think they're catching up. I mean, we do those machines and virtual reality stuff. Good idea. And uh, yeah, I think, I think it'll level a playing field a little bit. I'm so glad you bring up golf because I'm a big golfer, right? So I know That's a why lot, I did it. I know a lot about golf and then I try to explain to our audience and I think they may get tired of it, but there is a lot of similarities that that baseball has now adopted from golf because we've been testing off track man in golf since the late 80s baseball is just slow to adapt because let's face it golf was selling golf clubs and balls so they needed data to sell you hey this is why you need to spend 1200 bucks on irons this is why you need to spend you know you need to spend this for pro v golf balls we give you data and that may so now baseball basically is doing a lot of the same thing when we talk track man hawkeye you know, we talk about the high-speed cameras, Rap Soto. Golf's been using technology to sell equipment for a long time. So there's a lot of similarities. I, I, I like how you bring that up. And when, when I think about pitchers now, as they prepare, do you like, like, I think it was a big mistake when we had Fuji, Shintaro Fujinami, only pitching on Saturdays. 
It's like, well, what does he do the other six days? <laughs> you got to have feel. Is this? I mean, as much as I just want to throw this thing as hard as I can, I got to feel it. I got to throw strikes. I got to feel comfortable. What do you think about this? We're trying to have guys go less, and I just playing less. How do you get better playing less? Uh, uh, you're hundred percent right in that. Number one, I think feel does suffer. You need to practice. You need to throw and see how hitters are reacting, how your how the balls reacting. He came over. There's a different baseball too in in Japan versus the, versus the U.S. So it's it's way different. The other thing is building yourself up. Like with anything, you have to build. Your, you can't go out and run a marathon tomorrow. You just can't if you're not no. training for it. No. Right. <laughs> you, you go out and try to deadlift 500 pounds when you haven't been yeah. building up to it. You're not going to be able to do it. It's the same thing with pitching. You have to slowly build yourself up to it. And if you overdo rest, it it creates atrophy. So you're going to, I mean, that could also, it could also exacerbate injuries or, or, or just hurt performance. So, yeah, there's this fine tension and we're trying to figure it out. I don't know that anybody's got the magic number and it all, it also depends on the person, right? Like yeah. there could be somebody who needs more rest, somebody who needs less rest. So it's really up to that individual hitter, pitcher, whatever. If I was a young pitcher and knowing how much you study it and I was coming up and I'm looking at the big league numbers and I see that big leaguers are, are throwing more, whatever the breaking ball we want to cut it, slider, gyro, cutter, what they're throwing more breaking balls than fastballs. And I'm a young pitcher. Would you advise me to go that route? Or you, would you say, wait till you get to that level, still throw more fastballs than breaking balls? So to me, fastball still key. The reason why we're throwing more breaking balls is because fastballs have gotten so fast that actually hitters have to gear up for, for a fastball that it makes the breaking balls more effective. It makes off speed more effective. So you have to have velocity or just ability to command something before you move on to something else. Now, there is something to be said for, for being able to learn how to manipulate a baseball young. I've talked to too many guys that are now in the major leagues able to spin a ball one way or another. Like they can either pronate really well or they can supinate really well. And it's because they did that when they were younger. And now it's harder to learn when they're older. There's some of that. But still, fastball is king. Your mechanics are king, and you're not going to learn your mechanics until you learn how to throw a, a fastball and be smooth with it. Now, we're not talking about grunting every pitch. We're talking about being smooth with the fastball, commanding the zone. That's that's all absolutely important stuff. Pronate, supinate, we're talking same thing <laughs> they talk about in golf with you're hitting a golf ball. Uh, Sonny Gray, love Sonny Gray. He was he was a great kid when he was with the Athletics, but clearly. At the end, he was getting hit hard. And then he got shipped to New York, and he got that just swallowed him up. And then he got back to Cincinnati, and he got with his old pitching coach from Vanderbilt. And now all of a sudden, now in his 30s, he's resurrected himself, and he's having a great year. Why is Sonny Gray having the success that he's having? The I just When I look at the numbers, it reminds me of a young Sonny Gray in Oakland as an all-star out of Vanderbilt. Yeah, so – what I find with him is he is so ridiculously creative with his pitch types and how he spins the ball. And I think when you're younger, sometimes coaches take that away from you. They're like, they know, you know, because they're you're younger. They're like, this isn't how we do it here. And I think now that he's older and has more freedom to be himself and to really work to his strengths, which is creating different pitches. Like he is amazing. 
his feel for the breaking ball and to create many versions of it on the fly. As a young pitcher, you don't have that confidence to do it. Now he does. And I think that freedom is a big deal for him. Freedom. That's interesting that you say that. Have we taken freedom away from pitchers? I mean, think of a guy like Gaylord Perry who would say, and Ray Fossey used to tell us, he called everybody partner. Partner, I got this Vaseline, and I'm going to be putting it all. Can you imagine a pitching coach today? Partner, I got this Vaseline. Well, yeah, he's a Cy Young Award winner in multiple leagues. He's a Hall of Famer. Are you going to tell Gaylord not to use the Vaseline? No. No, that's his key. Or at least pretend like he is and fool everybody and make them all worried. But, I'm touching yeah, something. I mean- <laughs> Do you like? I love the character of the game. That's part yeah. of the reason we all love it, right? Like, I don't think you should ever cookie cut people. You do need individuality, um, and we're maybe getting we're getting a little bit of that back. Like you're allowing people to be free and to move the way they naturally are. But we, before we were cookie cutter people, and I think a lot of pitchers fell victim to it and probably weren't as good as they could have been. And it was because we wanted you where you were pitching to velocity. Yeah, like, this is what we want. We want you yeah, and, and like like Sonny Gray. I mean, Stephen Vogt used to talk about during a game, Sonny Gray's movement would change as a catcher, and Sonny didn't know it was just natural. And however he was manipulating, and he didn't even know like they would be working together, going, "I don't know where it's going, but we're getting people out. Let's do it." I mean, that's that that's pitching, right? You're deceiving the hitter rhythm. Our, our pitching coach Scott Emerson says hitters hitting's timing, pitching is disrupting the timing. Sonny Gray w- w- was great at that. And that's where I think of, of of guys. So I got to touch one of these balls, the new tacky ball they're trying out in Double uh-huh. A. Um, yeah, it was tacky. I mean, I didn't I didn't throw with it, but I got to. It's definitely tacky. Where are we now on trying to find something that we don't have the 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 problems like we have with a Max Scherzer at Dodger Stadium where. Uh, you know, I don't know, pine tar, I put alcohol, I washed it. Oh, it's now all over my glove. I have no idea. I swear on my kids. How do we get away from that? Do you believe in making the ball tacky? Do you think that will work? I, I think we need to do something because right now having the umpires do a field test, like this feels sticky to me, so I'm going to I'm gonna eject you, or this isn't quite as sticky as this, or yeah. this is a sticky. Like, that's not a standard. Come on. We have the ability to – we know spin rates during games – we can look at that and see if somebody's spin rates are up, if they're if it looks fishy. Um, but we also could do away with this. Like right now, it's the Wild West. I mean, we've we're saying we're cracking down, but if only one umpiring crew is actually really cracking down, are they just you know showing off or are they just making it all about themselves? Or are they the only ones taking it seriously? Who knows? But it, we need more faith in the game and faith in the honesty of of this so i think attack your ball is the way to go i think the current ball maybe we're seeing a little bit odd results like it's giving pitchers even more of an advantage which like we were just talking like yeah. is it fair like is it fair to give pitchers double the advantage now maybe not. well what do you want do you want me to bring a <laughs> dan Plesak, who was a terrific closer back in his day and he's been an, an awesome analyst on mlb network he has he's the right he has the running joke going back in his day they used to say don't go out to the mound alone, which meant you were always loaded with something. So do you want me to go out loaded with something, or do you want the ball to be tacky? Pick. One, one, something's going to happen. What do you want? I totally agree. Like, if we're going to have rules, 
it shouldn't be about who's willing to bend and break the rules. It should be an even playing field. So give me a baseball. Say we're not going to allow anything out there and give me a baseball that's reasonably tacky enough. Um, they're able to do it in Japan's baseball's tacky. They're able to do it. So why can't we do it? I think we can. I, I do think the experiment is is a little it's we gotta we gotta see what happens because if we come up and people are throwing sweepers now that are breaking two, two and a half feet and no one's able to hit anything, it might be a little tough for for fans. Yeah, it might not be good for the product, but we'll see. And you know, in the end, it's about the entertainment business. I got I gotta tell you this, and we'll end on this. So it was last year. I'm at a San Jose State football game. I got my Spartan shirt on, and I had a pitching ninja hat on. And it was at the end of the game. I'm, we're walking out of the stadium, and this kid goes, pitching ninja. And I went, wow. At a San Jose State football game, someone recognized the hat I was wearing. When, when you're just randomly being noticed throughout the country, that's when you know life's pretty good for the pitching ninja. Dude, it, it, it still never gets old at all. Like, I love that. And it just means that maybe we had an effect on something. Maybe people, yeah. like, if it helps people be fans of the game, I think it's awesome. And I, I do love that. Like, that's a that's fantastic. Like, tell them, tell them about your merch. Let's sell some merch. <laughs> Go to PitchingNinja.com. We got everything for you. And you got it in all the team colors. We do. Oh, and Ro you go to Rotoware as well. They sell the pitching ninja stuff, and it, we, we've got everything. You notice I have my little, I made my light like A's colors right back there. I can change the colors of that. I, I'm just, I, I love like you got like the, the, the eyes of the ninja are red on your hat. That is awesome. Yeah. This is a new one we tried out. It's a, and I, I do, I think this is, uh, it's one of my favorites. It's like a snake almost. You know how they do those snakes <laughs> with the red eye? I mean, that is sweet. <laughs> little evil look. Willie, you know what? You're helping make baseball cool, and that's what we need. We need to make baseball cool. We really do, and I don't think the sport does a good job of that. I think they're starting to maybe a little, giving people freedom, but the idea that that it's fun, right? The sport is all about having fun, competing, and pointing out, why this instead of looking at everything being a home run sometimes pitchers deserve some love too and that's what i'm all about like show me all the nasty pitches don't don't, don't get me started on we are the only sport i'll let you use this we're the only sport where we've diminished the guy who handles the ball or the object yeah right and totally i say agree. i say this to people and they just go what i go in football the guys who handle the ball are the stars, the quarterback, the receivers, the running backs. In basketball, it's the point guard and the score. In hockey, it's the center and the score that are always having the puck. The stars have the object, always have the object. In baseball, we've diminished the starter by saying wins don't matter, we don't pitch them as much, and now all of a sudden I, I keep score every game. I can show you my scorebook. It's just a assembly line of no-name reliever after no-name reliever. After We used to grow up with pitching matchups, and people were excited. We're talking about the great Vita Blue. People paid, and, and people would come out of nowhere to go to, whether it's Detroit or Minnesota or Kansas City or wherever, because this guy Vita Blue, people used to pay to come see the starters 
Now you come to see the starter. He's out in the fourth or fifth inning. We have taken away the power of the guy who has the ball. And we don't even have star closers anymore. Yeah, the one thing, if you look around the league, you will see some, like, I think starting pitching is actually at almost its its heyday, its peak. They just aren't there long enough. You're right. Like, you know, I go there, I want to see Zach Gallon is a freaking stud. Yeah. Does, the, does the whole world know who Zach Gallon is? Probably not. Is he one of the best pitchers in baseball? Yeah, Shane McClanahan last night, fantastic pitcher. Um, but I don't think they're household names, and maybe that is part of it. Either we're not hyping it enough, they're not staying in the game long enough, whatever it is, um, you know, I th- things need to change. Well, I'll tell you what, you, you're a baseball fan and you got an idea for a birthday gift, any type of present, and I say that for, for Christmas because I have I also have your, your coffee mugs. You can give the merch from the Pitching Ninja out and all baseball fans will love it. So not only do you love him on Twitter and then the 8,000 companies he works for now, you can (laughs) buy his merch. And I tell you, all baseball fans will love it. You are the best, my friend. Don't be a stranger. Let's talk soon. And you know, I'm out here to sell stuff for you. (laughs) Dude, you rock. I love being on here. See you later. See you. Thank you. The Pitching Ninja right here. Well, JJ, the last time I talked to you was when you got traded over, and we were talking about how big the opportunity coming to Oakland was. We saw you at spring training. Uh, They sent you back down. You've now come back up. You're off to a fantastic start. Just tell us what this year has been like getting into a new organization and now starting to blossom with this organization. Yeah, it's been great. You know, I'm just excited for the opportunity given, you know, once I – guy traded here back in uh back in what january or uh a little bit right before spring training so uh you know it's been it's been a world it's been a whirlwind but uh i've embraced it and uh you know this new organization the new uh the new feel around the club it's just uh it's 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 good to have a new beginning and um you know obviously didn't want to uh start in triple a but that's just how the year went and uh just kind of took advantage of it and just was where my feet were, and I was just trying to stay in that present moment and just do the best I could wherever I was. You know, yeah, I was going to say, for you, like, what's the difference coming up this time? A little more comfortable than you, your first time going up? It's all coming at you at 100 miles an hour. What what, what has been the difference for you this this time around coming up, Big Leagues? I'd say just, you know, have some fun, you know, yeah. like, like enjoy it. You, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself. There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. Try to stay consistent. Try to ride that wave. Stay humble. And, uh, you know, just, just have fun. You know, trust yourself and, um, you know, just go out there and play. It's the same game. Absolutely. You know, you're going to know this better than us because obviously when you're, when you're a high draft pick, there's going to be pressure, right? Everybody's looking at you as the future. When you come over to the A's, the A's didn't draft you. No one's talking about the signing bonus. No one's talking about where you rank as, as a prospect. Is all that nice to have that away from you, and you're just coming to Oakland as a baseball player? Absolutely. It's just go out go out and play. You know, you don't have someone coaching you all the time about your swing if you have a bad game or something like that. It's just, hey, you know, trust whatever it is you, that you're going to do, own it, and uh, just go out there and play. Now, I want to talk about Vandy. I want to go back to Vandy a little bit with Coach Corman because I know that between your freshman year, your sophomore year, between your sophomore and your junior year, something happened because you – you just started dominating. You got the confidence. He said you there, you kind of – there was a change in you between sophomore and junior year mm-hmm. where you got this confidence, this C-factor we call it, that was different. And it, mm-hmm. I, it, I don't, it wasn't necessarily 
just offensively or defensively or with mm -hmm. your speed, but something happened. Can you take us through that a little bit? Yeah, I think it was just playing, you know, playing a lot. I had a really good Cape Cod League uh, after that sophomore year. I had a really good sophomore season, and I think that's just what it was. It was that confidence and that, uh, you know, the kind of that comfortability around the clubhouse with the guys, you know who you are, and uh, it's just kind of missing, missing less and uh, taking advantage of that opportunity and just kind of, um, you know, just going out and, you know, having that confidence and that aggression yeah. to, uh, you know, to go out and just uh, play. It's so. amazing. The Vandy, we, Townie and I talk about all the Vandy players that are in professional baseball. You guys mm -hmm. have this bond. There's so mm -hmm. many pitchers and players. I mean, what Corbin has done down mm -hmm. there just created this factory. But it's beyond that. Talking to Yaz about it and Kemp mm -hmm. about it, it's there's a, there's a camaraderie with you guys and a kind of Vandy for life, if you will, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you do a lot together. Uh, you know, you're going to school together, uh, you know, working out. Like, you're just, you spend so much time. And it just uh, it all it all pays off, and it's just like you all you know come together, and you're just able to go out there and try to win some ball games. That's awesome. Yeah. So you look at your start. What would you say is the big difference for you, coming up with the Marlins last year, spring training this year, to where you are now? Just tell us: is it mental? Is it physical? What changes have you made? I'd say it's more mental. You know, it's, it's trying to keep that approach, keep that trust within yourself. Like I said, you know, you're going to have you're going to have your good games. You're going to have your bad games. And it's just trying to find that uh, consistency in that line, ride that line and, and stack at bats. You know, whether it's a hard line out or just uh, a good quality at bat, trying to try to run with that and take that as a positive. So, you know, compared to last year, uh, you know, I I was missing a lot of fastballs. I was missing underneath the baseball a lot. So this offseason, I did a lot of uh, work on just trying to hit line drives, you know, trying to stay on top of the baseball. I know it's crazy, like not a lot of coaches want guys hitting ground balls, but to me, I wanted to hit like just lower flights and a ground ball was okay with me because if those line drives are, are good in batting practice, they're going to turn into a home run in the game. Hey, Tony, I want to ask him about the, the play in right field because I didn't get a chance to ask you about, you know, you, you try to make that leaping grab. Mm -hmm. A fan comes over. What, what was it from your perspective? What did you see? What did you, you had a beat on the ball for sure, didn't you? Yeah, so I had a beat on the ball. I, I didn't think it was going to go out. I thought I was going to catch it right there, like right in front of the wall. But, yeah. you know, like, uh, you know, Yankee Stadium's crazy. It can be it can be blown out a little bit. And, and Bader spun it well. So it kind of went another, you know, extra two, three feet. And I just remember kind of getting there and um, and jumping up thinking I caught it and I come down and I <laughs> didn't have the ball in my glove and, yeah. it, and I asked the one of the fans and the fans caught it, and there was two guys kind of reaching over so uh yeah it was just kind of a weird a weird play. I didn't yeah. know if you saw this but Bader when he came out the next day pointed at the fans saying like thank you yeah. thank you for yeah. doing that right <laughs> Classic. that's funny yeah and the bleacher creatures, sometimes they, they've eaten guys alive. You were having a good time with them, playing catch with them, talking to them, just talk about the experience playing in Yankee Stadium. Yeah, you definitely want to get those crowds on your side. So, you know, the, the, the least you can do is, you know, give a give a kid a ball. Uh, obviously looking for the athletics, looking for the green, because I'm sure those guys are getting heckled in Yankee Stadium. So you want to do, you know, your best to support them too because they're supporting you. But, yeah, just, you know playing catch and uh you know taking the hits when they come but you know it was just it was just fun and it's the same game well i just think about we we talk so much uh especially with young players we're talking about how much you prepare all the data all the video you know i think the one thing for you and i think the same thing for johnny when he's broadcasting doing a lot of tv now it's have fun yeah. We're supposed to have fun, for God's yeah. sakes. It's a fun game. It's yeah. baseball. It's yeah. fun. We we all get in our heads and we worry too much. I mean, 
Uh, your, your stroke has looked really quick, especially on the balls inside. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with all the, the data and all the stuff of, of, about what you're doing, it just looks like you're having fun. Yeah, absolutely. That's 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 the name of the game. You know, don't don't try to create these expectations and then, you know, try to hit a four run home or every at bat. Just go up there, take what they give you and uh, do your best to kind of uh, win a ball game. We talk about Ryan Noda. We were talking about Noda before you talk, see him spit on those change ups that are this far out. Mm-hmm. Do you guys talk about that? How impressed are you with his eye and his game? Yeah, I love watching him hit uh before before me just because he gets he gets so many pitches he's it seems like he's always in a three two counter yeah. and just like they're the pitchers are throwing the kitchen sink and he gets on base uh we definitely talk about it that that thing that's one good thing about the offense when i got up here is just guys communicating and how, how are guys pitches running that day because it's one thing to watch it on video and and look at all these metrics and all this data but you just got to go kind of old school with them be like what's it look like on that on that given day you know yeah. maybe one pitch might not be looking that good. You can eliminate it. And with with Noda, he's one guy to go to, you know, because he's seeing so many pitches. Like, hey, Noda, what, what's it looking like? Hey, you know, you can kind of eliminate that. And and he's just been uh, he's been great on that aspect. Yeah, we joke about it because yeah. like he'll 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 they'll call him on a pitch that's just this far out mm-hmm. a strike, and he's like, look, I know that that was not a strike because I know yeah. the zone as good as the umpires, right? Exactly. Like he, he's got he, a great 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 control of the zone, and and that's just one thing. I mean, that's 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 a huge part of the game. Yeah, no question. You know, we've seen with Mark Kotze, and this happened a lot uh, when you're in the minor leagues or you're in college, Bob Melvin, we always saw different lineups. It was a different lineup every single day. Lately, seeing this lineup of Ruiz, Noda, Rooker, yourself, Langoliers being the top five, just give us your opinion on it and how nice is it showing up to the ballpark, knowing exactly when you're playing and exactly where you're hitting. Oh, it's great. You know, it gives you gives you a good – idea of what what's going to be happening it gives you that sense of comfort and um you know you just uh the guys that you just you're able to kind of take and give what, what they're going to give you and and um you know it's just it's just good to see that you know it, it's give you, it gives you that comfort and you know it just makes you go out there and play and, and it's take advantage of that opportunity all right we'll let you go man hey thanks so much <laughs> for guys. taking the time man. yeah appreciate, appreciate it. it yep jj bladay How good uh, is that? As Dallas Braden likes to say, J.J. Bleday, baby. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.